On the season finale of the final dump, we are recapping the 2022 Green Bay Packers season, the many lows, a few highs as well, and we're going to look to ahead to what is for sure going to be an unbelievable and probably quite stressful offseason. It is the season finale of the final dump. It's time! News dump. News dump, yay! News dump. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. It's a it's the final dump presented by Game On Wisconsin. And welcome to the final dump. I am Brendan Dworzinski. He is Matt Fralick, and we are here with you for the next hour talking all things Green Bay Packers, as we always do. Live 8 o'clock Lambeau time on Monday evenings, and of course, wherever you get your podcasts Tuesday morning and beyond as well. It is our season finale of the final dump. The Green Bay Packers season, unfortunately, is in the dumper, so we are going to look back on the year that was Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Matt LaFleur, and the entire Green Bay Packers crew. The low spots, the high spots, and of course, we're going to look ahead to this offseason and what will be, you know, we, it feels like we've said this year after year at this point, Matt, but what will almost mm-hmm. assuredly be a transformative offseason for this franchise. It's. I feel like we've been kicking the can on the road for like three years, honestly, and it started off with you know Jordan Love being selected and the saga that's been Aaron Rodgers and the more access we've had to him and his personality and his, you know, the way his brain works. But yeah, it's it's year after year. I don't know if this year's going to be different. I guess that's why we're going to sit here and talk about today and final dump. So we will get to it all. We're going to start with the year in review first, but coming up a little bit later on in the show, we will get to, of course, the big story. What is going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the fate of some other key free agents as well, or if not free agents, guys who could potentially be cap casualties because they're owed a lot of money. We'll also talk about some early thoughts on who the Packers should be drafting or targeting in free agency. Maybe we'll even have some coaching changes this year, possibly some reunions on the coaching staff, a couple different kinds of reunions. That's all coming up over the course of the next hour. But Matt, first things first, the big overall umbrella question that everybody gets to when a season ends like the Green Bay Packers one just did a week ago with a loss to the Detroit Lions. Why did the season unfold the way it did? Why are we here? Why are we in a point where after back-to-back playoff bye weeks, back-to-back MVP years by Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back years in which we, among many others, thought the Packers should win the Super Bowl. At least they could win it, and maybe they need to win the Super Bowl. We got to a point this year where the Packers finished 8-9. and nine. At one point, they were 5-8. and eight. They missed out on the playoffs. And I feel like we've had a lot of questions going into each of the last two offseasons. Hell, this is season number two of the final dump. Last year at this time, following the loss to the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional round of the playoffs, we had a lot of questions going into the offseason, similar ones to what we're going to ask tonight. But to be frank, this one feels different because this feels like, well, you you know, in the past, I should say, you could say, well, you can bring everybody back and, and try to do it one more time. We're at a point where clearly that didn't work. You know, it worked from 20 into 21, and we thought it could work 21 into 22. Well, we're in a point now where you can't do it again going into next year, and it didn't work this time like it did the year before. So I'll leave the floor to you with the big overarching question. Why are we here like this today? Why did the season bring us to this point as opposed to a more successful one in 2022? I think it's more complicated in the last couple seasons. Like I feel like the last couple you could have drawn it up to offensive line play, right? Or guys getting injured, Bakhtiari, etc. You could have drawn it up to the defense or the run game where we're getting slaughtered. But this year I feel like it's more complicated. So like let's start with I think just like talent-wise, they got a little bit worse. You know, Zadarius Smith leaves, Devonta Adams leaves. Not really sure how you're gonna move the ball on the field. MVS has gone too, which I I'm not the biggest MVS homer by no means or supporter, but he did impact the game. Um, still, you know, being an asset to that that Chiefs offense in in sparing amounts too. So it's like talent got a little bit worse. They somehow thought that being the Packers coaching staff or an office that they could get away with like you know skimping on talent at some key positions, which they didn't really address other than the draft with some rookie receivers. Outside of that, they didn't prioritize pass rusher at all. Um, secondary relatively remained the same, which was fine. Um, we saw, you know, a couple bright spots there, a couple guys that still aren't 
performing. And we'll get to that because that's a huge topic for free agency get coming up. But I, honestly, like, I just think at the end of the day, they had a different perspective of themselves and like just than the reality of like, you know, the national scope, like the national scope Vegas. I think I've had it like 10 wins, nine wins, something like that. Ten and a half, I, had a, I think. Yeah, I had a buddy of mine who's um, always tries to steer the ship against the grain when it comes to Wisconsin-related sports. Sometimes he's right. Sometimes he does it to troll. But this year he was definitely right. And I think outside of Green Bay, nationally, people were like, you know what? No Devontae Adams, no Zedarius Smith. Like, that's going to hurt this team. And I think we thought as Packer fans, oh, no, Lazard can fill in, Cobb can fill in, Sammy Hammy Watkins, he'll do his thing. Tunyon will bounce back and have a good year. And it's like we never really got to that point where the offense was clicking in. I, I would wanted to say it was a slow start, but it really wasn't a slow start because they kind of found their stride up at Minnesota game. It was that middle part of the season, I think, where they finally had to find themselves, really go back into the well and like what's going wrong. And I think they had to kind of look in the mirror a little bit. And I think there was a coming to Jesus moment slightly between Rodgers and LaFleur. There were some um, practices where you could see their, that some of the beat were out there and they're showing them conversating. And it was like different than we'd seen. Maybe that was just because they were focusing on that because it was a turbulent point in the season. But ultimately, I think it was just like the lack of talent they had at some positions. They didn't restock those. And then at the end of the day, like just they are, were, weren't looking in the mirror and being, you know, super self-aware as, as you sh- need to be in a competitive nature like this. I think for me, this takes us back to conversations you and I had multiple times during training camp in the preseason this year. So go all the way back to July, go all the way okay. back to August. And one of the biggest things we talked about with this team was that we really liked a lot of the top end talent, right? We And even defensively, which was obviously a huge mm-hmm. issue this year, but we talked about, we like this defensive talent up front feels like it should be better. Kenny Clark leading the group. Dean Lowry played well in 2021 for the most part. Hopefully you get another good year out of him. Bring in Devontae Wyatt in the draft. Jaron Reed through free agency. Okay, positive things right there. Linebacking core. Devondre Campbell coming off an all-pro season. You draft Quay Walker, first-round guy. Defensive back. We thought the defensive backfield, and it wasn't just us. It was many people around the Packers sphere and elsewhere, thought the secondary would be one of the best in the entire NFL. Offensively. Two-time defending MVP at quarterback. Superstar running back in Aaron Jones. Yes, it sucks to not have Devontae Adams, obviously, but we had high hopes for Watson and Dobbs. We were all over Dobbs from the very beginning, right? Offensive line, super positive about that. But with all that positivity, you and I both said, and we both agreed, depth was going to be a concern for this team. That if someone got hurt, if, if Devondre Campbell gets hurt defensively, and we saw that this year, if Jair goes down for an extended period of time, if you lost any production offensively. Oh, and guess what? Christian Watson missed time, a ton of time early in the year and in training camp. Romeo Dobbs missed an amount of time. What's going to happen then? Who is going to step into those roles? Who is going to fill in? What is going to happen if the Packers have any issues with depth? Well, we not only had that question come up, but then we ended up with guys just not performing up to their level. So when you already have a great top level, but bad depth, You can't afford injuries, and you can't afford guys to not play up to that level. Well, what did we get all year long? Guys not playing up to that level, and it starts with Aaron Rodgers. It's not just Aaron Rodgers. We're going to get to him plenty in a little bit. We see some comments on YouTube, too. We will get to to some draft stuff later. We lot to talk about in that regard. But Rodgers did not play up to an MVP caliber, frankly, not even close to it. Aaron Jones had one of the best years of his career statistically. He still probably could have been used more. Hell, it was coaching and personnel more than anything that was holding him back. Watson obviously had a really slow start to the year. Dobbs missed plenty of time. The offensive line had a bunch of dudes in and out. We didn't know when Bakhtiari was going to play week to week. He has an appendectomy at the end of the year. I mean, how do you plan for stuff like that? And obviously the defense, you know, if you look at the advanced metrics, things like defensive DVOA from football outsiders, it wasn't all that great in 2021 anyway. But I think just in terms of the eye test, the defense took a big step back in 2022. And I don't know anyone who would frankly disagree with that. And again, the advanced numbers flesh that out as well. You can't afford to do that when you don't have depth on a roster. And frankly, we saw that to a T this year that some of it you could probably expect like Rogers. I, I don't think anyone is surprised that he's not going to win a third straight MVP now to fall off the way that he did fall off for much of the season, not necessarily expected, but this year came down to more than anything. The fact that the Packers roster just was not good enough. And I think you and I got here to a similar conclusion uh, just by, by different means, but 
the roster just wasn't good enough. And there are reasons for that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers commands a ton of money. David Bakhtiari is getting paid a ton of money. There are a lot of big contracts out there. Hell, imagine what would have, what it would have been like, excuse me, if Devontae Adams had come back. If he had taken a bigger deal from the Packers than what he got from the Raiders. Even, you know, Russell Douglas, who did not have a great year, but had moments. And once he got put in a better position, he had better moments. You don't have him. Your secondary is looking real weak, especially after Eric Stokes got hurt. A number of other guys across the roster who maybe didn't play great, but holy cow, you had one more gigantic contract. And oh my God, I don't even know if you're fielding 53 guys by the end of the year. Certainly, it's just a bunch of street free agents at that point. So all this to say, circling back around, the roster just wasn't good enough. And you've heard me talk about it, Matt, week after week. I've had a lot of issues with the coaching. I've had a lot of issues with the approach that the Packers coaching staff has had this year. And I think it was a confluence of the roster not being good enough, talent not playing up to its expected level, and also a coaching staff that frankly didn't know how to handle it. I'm not trying to push this all on Matt LaFleur or Adam Stenovich, and Joe Barry deserves most of it, but not trying to push it all on them. But this group hasn't lost. They had won 13 games three years in a row. NFC Championship game, NFC Championship game, number one seed in a bye through the first round before a disappointing playoff exit. Like, they're not used to this, and I don't think this program, this franchise, was ready to respond. I'm happy that they played better at the end of the season. You and I spoke about that on last week's show, the penultimate episode of the season. But in the end, no one was prepared for this point, either in terms of talent or in terms of coaching. Yeah, no, honestly, like we definitely got to the same point, and that's that's a different means of going about it, which I actually it's pretty cool we got there. But like I think to the coaching is like once they got finally punched in the mouth, like that was the first real adversity Matt LaFleur's gone through. And I mentioned that a couple times throughout the season, like middle October, November stuff. And I'm like, this is the first adversity they had, man. Like to just for LaFleur to go in and be, you know, getting all these accolades, you know, of you know, winning this coach for the first three seasons, one of the you know best winning percentages, et cetera, et cetera. It's like that's great and all, but like let's get rid of you know, let's strip down some of this top end talent. Like, how great of a coach are you at that point? I don't think it's all on him, like you said. I think a lot of it falls on Joe Barry. There's a couple other position groups that we'll probably get into later on, but yeah, this is the first real adversity they had. It was it was about time. I mean, you can't continue to have 13 win, 14 win seasons, you know, with that extra game, but like. Yeah, eventually it's just something cracked, and I think it's, it's fine that they're going through it now. Um, you, you would like to see how they would have gone through in the middle of the season when they had you know some some tougher talent, even those first couple of years with some of those free agents they had brought in with the Smith brothers and Amos, and then also with you know Devontae there. That would have been awesome to see what that would look like. But at the end of the day, like this is where they're at. This is the, the cards that laid. Like they went to they went overseas to play a game versus the Giants. They took it a step back after that game, it seemed like, even too. So, like, there's a ton of things that happened throughout this year. But really, like, it was all kind of in their control. Like, you you still had enough talent. I'm looking at some of these top-end guys that they're paying, right? Rodgers, Boxyari, Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones, Jair, Preston, Gary, Devondre, Adrian Amos. Like, there's a ton of really, really good talent on there. And only one of those guys missed a significant amount of time this year. Uh, being Ray Gary, I know Bakhtiar is out for a little bit here and there, but relatively they've gone through the last two seasons without him in full capacity anyway. So it's there's enough talent that they could have gotten away with it. I do think some of that is from the receiving core not being fully intact right away, but we did see highs with them and lows with them. So it wasn't like a consistent buildup throughout the year, really. So with that, because we're, we'll look ahead, and, and a lot of this we've already talked about, right? Week to yeah. week or you know month to month, we talked about the losses and the poor performances and all that over the course of the season. So we do have to look ahead. But I do want to bring at least a little positivity into the show, Matt, because I feel like this is a show that feels a little morose because it's the end of the season. And it also feels kind of daunting and kind of scary that we don't know what this offseason is going to look like. We don't know who the starting quarterback of this team is going to look like within the next couple of weeks. So I did want to bring a little bit of positivity in here. Who are the the couple of guys, maybe it's just one that stands out or or the position groups or anything in particular, what stands out to you as the biggest bright spot or bright spots about this season? It doesn't feel like there were all that many of them, given again, this team finished with a losing record and ends up with a 15th pick in the draft out of the playoffs. Not a great feeling, but what did stand out in a positive manner this season to you? There's actually a lot of positives, man. Like we, you go back and it's, it's fun to sit here and like reflect on some of these things that you and I have talked about earlier in the year in July and throughout the entire season on what you mentioned some of the talent, right? It was some, they didn't have a lot of depth. We talked about earlier in the year, some of their biggest weak, weak points and un, you know, points that we weren't sure it would be receiver and offensive line. I think 
the receiving core was fine. Like, I don't think it exceeded expectations by any means. But I think the offensive line was a huge bright spot. I mean, you go in from Elton coming off an injury to David Bakhtiari having just an absolute just terrible luck with his injuries to really not sure what your guards are looking like from week to week. You know, Jake Hansen got some time early on in the beginning of the season. Like, it just was a shuffling. And they kind of rolled with the punches really damn well. Whether it was injuries or guys weren't playing well, they were able to throw in new dudes. So I think the offensive line exceeded my expectations. I thought that'd be – I mean, there were times that it had some problems throughout the season. I want to say definitely the Bucks game was one that I remember being just an absolute – it was tough up front for the boys. And then I would say also just like some of the young talent. I think between – you know, people ridicule Goody for some of his picks. The third-round picks continue to get, you know, just throttled and thrashed. But I think you look back on this draft class, it's a damn good draft class. Like you, between Quay, Wyatt coming on at the end of the year – Watson, Zach, Tom, and Nick Barry getting some snaps, which I mean, who the hell would have ever thought that would have happened? Um, smart. And he would be a major little... contributor, not just getting right. snaps. He'd be a major contributor. And you were on the, you were honestly one of the first people that are on him early, Zach Tom. And I was like, yeah, it's, you know, he's just one of the guys they draft. I'm not sure if I have a, a you know horse in the race yet. And he, he came in and contributed multiple, you know, multiple positions. Um, so I think just overall, like the draft class was great. And I'm excited to see what some of these guys can do going forward. It gives you a little bit more confidence because, like I said, people are have been critical critical about Goody in the past. I think two years ago, the draft class wasn't that great than with Amari. Um, but at the end of the day, like I think it's offensive line, the draft class, the defense is really, really tough to say anything like was great there. I think I, I'm it, it 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 fell a little bit short for the defensive backfield. It kind of we ended the year pretty solid but there were some moments there where it was just really really bad for some reason still can't figure out the run defense i it's i i don't get it at this point i feel like it's been like 10 years and they haven't figured it out and then the final one of course is just the special teams unit finally coming around on the return game great to see hopefully they can piece it all together in 2023 whatever that 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 squad looks like because again we talked about this before you mentioned it you had some of that high-end um that money going to Rogers, Jones, you know, whoever else is going to get their next contract here and whoever is on payroll, that's what happens on the back end. That 40 to 51 or 53, like that, that's where it struggles. You get guys, you don't get a ton of guys that are savvy special team guys and you can't afford to pay them a little bit. Now they did go and snag a couple guys that Bisaccio wanted, but um, I'm excited to see what the special teams unit. That's a bright spot for me. At least I don't think it'll be a huge talking point this off season going into 2023. Which is a huge positive, right? That it's not going to be a complete disaster. You're not searching for a coordinator again. You're not thinking, why can't this team return kicks or punts or anything else? Why does our return man continue to fumble the ball every single time it comes anywhere near him? That that's nice. It's still not a, a great unit overall. I mean, we saw this, we talked about it last week, but we saw the stat several weeks back that the Packers had allowed more pressure on their punter than any team in recent NFL history. Not great, but Pat O'Donnell, I thought, had a fine season. Obviously, Keyshawn Nixon is maybe the number one individual bright spot of the whole yeah. team. He got the Aaron Rodgers seal of approval pretty quickly. He's a first team all pro this season, despite not returning kicks until October. I mean, just absolutely incredible for Keyshawn Nixon. He's a great story, and and that's the number one individual that really stands out. One other individual offensive side of the ball that I think deserves it, Aaron Jones was awesome, man. I I mentioned him a little bit earlier, and his future is obviously also a a little bit up in the air at this point. It sounds like they're probably going to end up bringing him back. I hope they end up bringing him back, but obviously the money is a big concern, but he does do so many different things for this Packers offense that you think, damn, why wouldn't you want to keep that guy out there um, on the season, Aaron Jones. I've got his stats right here in front of me. 213 carries. He played all 17 games, by the way. He has only once previously in his career played in all 16, then 16, now 17 games in a season. So that was great to see. 1,121 yards on the ground. That's new career high. Only had two rushing touchdowns, which is crazy. But he averaged over five yards an attempt, had about 66 yards a game. I mean, he was tremendous this season. And he deserves the credit for that. He was a bright spot. And again, he may have had even better numbers if he had just gotten on the field a little bit more, or at least situationally a little bit more. And you brought up the draft too. That's probably the number one overall thing for me. And we've got the draft class right here, and we'll put it up uh, on the screen right now if you're watching live on YouTube um, or on Twitter or anywhere else you might be watching. This draft class, Matt, is sensational. Just in terms of year one impact, this is a pretty darn good class, but it feels like the future is insanely bright for it as well. 
I mean, your top two picks, Quay Walker obviously has to get his temper under control, but man, back half of the year, I thought he played really well. Spotty at best early in the season. I thought he closed the year really well. Devontae Wyatt, when he played, he, he looked good. I barely played, but I, I thought there were positive signs there at the very least. We know Christian Watson has superstar potential after what we saw from him this year. Um, Sean Ryan, and well, as a third rounder, we know how those go. But Romeo Dobbs and Zach Tom, if you get whether Tom is a starter or even a rotational offensive line guy going forward, and then a high-end three or decent number two receiver in Dobbs who can be a deep threat, that's a huge win in the fourth round. Mm -hmm. uh, Enigbari, big win in the fifth round. Even if he's just a rotational guy, I don't think he can be you know your number one edge rusher. But as a rotational pass rush guy in the fifth round, hell yeah. And then you got a couple of special teams guys in Carpenter and Toure specifically of your four seventh-round picks. I mean, that's a really good group overall for the Packers out of the draft. And look, you can criticize Brian Gutekunst for a lot of different things, a lot of different things. But he and his staff have done a really good job finding talent. Sometimes it's with the pro personnel. Sometimes it's in the draft. This feels like it could be a truly great draft class for the Packers. We saw it in immediate impact with guys like Walker, Dobbs, and Watson. And it feels like a guy such as Tom and Wyatt can be major players for the future. So that's probably the biggest bright spot and we'll touch on other future elements here in a moment but to, to revisit what you brought up and my number one point as well Matt to get that many players who you can say next year we know what they can be we know what they have been and we have a lot of optimism that they can help us in an even bigger way in 23 24 and beyond that's pretty darn encouraging so in a year that sucked a lot it is somewhat you know, something of a bright spot to know many of your best players or at least your the players you're most optimistic about are going to be around for the long haul. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I even omitted Dobbs when I went through that list too. So it's just, if, like you mentioned, if you can get a couple starters out of that fourth round spot, that's great. But I think there's going to be, I mean, there's going to be a ton of guys and you actually on that side of the graphic, it showed like how many guys have played, like just how many games, like that's a ton of games too. You're getting contribution from some draft and like, that can be good and bad, right? You don't want a ton of rookies out there. That, that could be bad. But honestly, there wasn't really that many liabilities. Sure, there was rookie mistakes, you know, mental errors, you know, losing your steam, you know, a couple drops here and there. But ultimately, I thought they they held it down pretty damn well, especially at some positions that you were like, uh, how the hell is this going to work? Offensive line and receiver. And they ended up making it work. Man, Watson turning into a superstar in the back half of the year. I mean, that yeah. was the number one thing for the offense to get them going. So thank God for him because, man, if he hadn't turned it on late, if he had been hurt again or if he just never could quite click, um, this next question I think would be changed a great deal. And certainly the end of the season would have been a lot less enjoyable to watch. So with that, we've been teasing it throughout the show so far. Let's get to the future. There are so many things this team has to consider going forward. Offensively, defensively, coaching. What can what can you do in free agency? Who will be available in free agency? What are you going to do in the draft? Do you move up? Do you move down? Do you stay where you are? There'll probably be a trade or two. We know how this Packers team operates. But what do you want to do positionally? What are your biggest holes that need to be filled? Will the coaching staff look any different? But the number one question, it has been talked about to death year after year after year at this point. You've seen probably hundreds of people talk about it. I know I've seen hundreds of people talk about it, but it needs to be talked about because it is going to dictate probably what the contending window looks like, or at least what our perspectives on the contending window look like for the 23 season. What are the Green Bay Packers going to do with Aaron Rodgers? And what should they do with Aaron Rodgers? And I want to make this fair, not that Aaron Rodgers needs me to cape for him or give him any sort of, you know, extra backing or anything. But what does Aaron Rodgers want to do at this point? Because he has said this a couple of times in press conferences recently that, look, it's it's not a one-way thing. This is a joint decision. I have to want to be back and the Packers have to want me back. And I think it is important to address this question from both sides of it. But it is a two-part question, Matt, and I'll let you go first with this. What will happen with Aaron Rodgers and what do you think should happen with Aaron Rodgers? So let's lay out the facts. So I think this is important. Like definitively he is under contract until 2026. And I know he's set to be set, set to make $59 million at some point throughout the next couple months. I'm not sure when that goes into act if it's March, June, it doesn't really matter. Um, that's insane. Like he's going to be able to make that much money. Is that handcuffing the team a little bit? Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree, especially based off his talent. But like I said, He's still under contract through 2026. They made a commitment to him last year. He committed back to this team on that three-year extension. It's like, 
as much as I continue to tell myself that I think he's done, he's going to hang it up and walk away because he doesn't really want to be part of a rebuild because that's kind of they're I don't want to say they're in a rebuild stage, but they have such young talent. And he has talked about that at nauseum about what it's like playing, you know, with guys like a Mercedes Lewis or a David Bakhtiari or Randall Cobb in contrast to this 2022 draft class to some of these younger guys. It's a, it's a stark difference. Like it's, you don't necessarily get the same camaraderie. You're just different. You're just completely different. You're not really peers. You play the same sport, but it's like the way you were came up in your, your game is just different. I honestly have, at this moment, I don't know what the Packers want to do. I do have this little nugget that I can't get out of my head from that post-game press conference after the Lions game of them asking him what he's going to miss the most at some point if he hangs it up. And him just like, I felt like he like, there was like a kink in the armor that night. Like it like it just kind of cracked in the matrix where he like, you could actually see, like he actually thought about it. It's like, damn, that's, yeah, I'm going to miss the coaching staff, having the beat around, the fans, all that. And like, just for some reason, I can't get that image out of my head. And maybe that's because, like, literally the last thing he, I've seen him say, he hasn't been on Pat McAfee's show on Tuesdays. Hopefully he's on tomorrow. Uh, that would be fantastic. But that's really – I just – I honestly think he walks away at this point. Like, I, I, some of me is, like, he looks at that number, and I every time I look at it, it's insane. That $59.5 million, like, there's no way he can think he, he affords that or, like, is due that money. Because as much as people think he has like this huge ego or whatever, he's a professional football player. Of course, he's going to have a big ego, but like he can't think he's worth $59 million. There's just no way. And like he talks about this organization, how special it is. And I think it's kind of turned the page over the last couple of years. He's mentioned how him and Goody are in a better spot and Mark Murphy, whatever his, you know, however long he's with the team yet. Like I think it would be shitty for him to take that money and kind of ride it out the next year and a half. And then all of a sudden he's replaced by whomever that may be. But I, I don't know. I feel like there, if he, I I feel like he definitely has some pride in what he would want to do. And that would be to go out on a higher note, but also like maybe does a restructure make more sense. Is that middle ground? I don't know what that restructure looks like. Cause it's like, how many times are you going to keep redoing a deal? Um, I know that's the trend with the, the NFL, especially with the Packers organization, they have to do that this year to get out of the $14 million hole they're in right now. So part of me just thinks like he walks away at this point, doesn't want to deal with going through like who, who, what, when, where, and why is going to be a part of this team. But I don't know, man, it just seems like they're so close to getting over that hump and he might be part of the problem. Maybe he's seen some regression. Um, it seems like he was a little bit more aware this year of some of his you know ailments he had, but also there was some stuff that we saw he could still – sling the ball downfield, still have that accuracy, still get out and move too, which are like, you know, it it's there's if you're losing a couple of those items, one out of the three you have left, whether it's you know, probably the accuracy you're still gonna have. If you don't have that deep ball or that the ability to move, like that's that's huge. But he still really has all three of those intangibles. So maybe I'm talking myself into him being around, but right now I just feel like he he walks away, but I have no idea. I think he's going to be back. I really honestly do. And you can't ignore the money. I mean, I, you're right at this point is Aaron Rodgers as a starting quarterback who is going to turn 40 years old next sept or next December, excuse me. Is he worth that as a starting quarterback right now? The answer is almost certainly no. I mean, look at the level of play this season. I was probably more optimistic and positive about it than most, but let's be honest. This was a stark and almost scary departure from how good he has been the last couple of years and how good he's been over the course of his career. It was a massive step back, and it made the offense step all the way back. And there was so much talk about how he was overruling LaFleur and he was running a bunch of old McCarthy stuff and he was being a tyrant with the offense. Look, I'm not going to pretend I know what's going on because I don't. I'm not in that facility. I don't live in Green Bay. I don't have sources within Aaron Rodgers' camp. I'm not going to pretend to know any of that. What I do know is that he has made it clear he still thinks he's got it. The organization made it clear they were willing to commit to him no matter what the ups and downs were going to be in his level of play by giving him that massive contract. I do think he's going to come back. Now, you can call me a prisoner of the moment for reacting to him walking off the field with Randall Cobb the way he did, because that was the first time. I even said before that game started or maybe midway through the Week 18 game against the Lions, my wife asked me and I told her, look, I I think he'll be back. He's going to get way too much money. I think he wants to give it one more go around with Watson and Dobbs and maybe 
add someone else. They'll bring Cobb back on a minimum-ish salary to try to sweeten the deal. They'll give it one more go. Then I saw him walk off the field, arm around one of his best friends. You know, he's the godfather of Randall Cobb's kids, like, or at least one of his kids. Like, they're tighter than tight. Um, And to walk off the field the way he did, and, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't see many people notice this, which is amazing because everyone loves to pick apart every single thing Aaron Rodgers does. But there was a cameraman following them in the tunnel after the game. He said, you know, get the get the F yeah. out of here and kind of mm-hmm. shoved him away. That felt different. That really felt yeah. like, okay, maybe he's really taking this in because he feels like it might be over at this point. That's a lot of money on the table. I do think he wants to try it one more time with some guys who are a little bit more experienced where he can get a full camp with Watson, with Dobbs. I think he's going to play again, and I'm going to give you what apparently is a an unpopular take, and I get why this is unpopular. I'm going to say I think they should bring him back. I think I am still on that side. Now, as a, as a fan, truly speaking, as a fan, I don't really care because I'm going to support the Packers regardless. Like, if it's Jordan Love who goes out there for 17 games next year, I'm going to be the biggest Jordan Love fan possible, and I'm going to want nothing but the best for him, for the organization, for the team, because that's what I care about the most. I'm a, a Packers fan, always have been, not just an Aaron Rodgers fan. I do think there is an element of you still don't know exactly what you would get out of a season of Jordan Love starting versus we know what Aaron Rodgers is at this point. He's still got a little of the magic left in that arm, maybe a lot of it, but it just it, it can't, for whatever reason, come out nearly as much but you still have at least a little bit of something there. He's got a better relationship with the guys who will be playing on the offensive line with those receivers, Watson and Dobbs specifically. Hell, throw Randall Cobb in there. Why not? You know now how to craft an offense around what he can physically do for you at this point. And maybe in those discussions, Matt, that he had with Matt LaFleur, with Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, all these guys over the last week or so, maybe they said, hey, look, Aaron, we want you to do this or we want you to do this and we're going to make the offense look different in this way next year and he said nah man screw that that ain't for me anymore i i'm not changing anything i still think i'm the mvp and i'm gonna play like that well then the packers might say hey man we can't do it anymore we gotta we gotta move on we'll trade you or we're gonna ask you to retire like we we just can't do that we're gonna have to go with jordan and if that's the case that's the case but i do think you have an element of we know what we can get out of this guy now we still have no idea what Jordan Love is going to look like in a large sample size. We will go with the quote-unquote consistent thing. That, I think, is at least a fair argument. And if and most people disagree with me. I know Andy Herman wrote a column on Monday, or at least published it mm-hmm. Monday, about why it was time to trade Aaron Rodgers. I know everybody, El Jefe, Jacob Westendorf, has said he thinks it's time to move on. I've seen many comments all over Packers social media about this, and that's fine. I know I'm in the minority, and if if this is it, if it's a trade, it's retirement, whatever, I don't really care from a fan perspective. I just want to support the team however I can. Again, just being completely honest and uh, an emotionally vulnerable fanatic that follows the team. I do think he's going to be back, though, for better or for worse. And if that means that you trade Jordan Love, well, enjoy the extra third or fourth round pick, I guess. I, Dude, I can't even imagine the – I don't know what would be more – polarizing Jordan Love getting traded or Rogers retiring the Rogers retiring seemed like for me as a fan it would give me a little bit more of like damn they really are going all in at this point like that would be crazy mm-hmm. as a less emotional human being and more logical it's like okay they're gonna stick with their assets see what they have there and continue to ride the you know whatever they have from Jordan Love that would be man trade that that's a whole other wrinkle. Like just like the aspect of like, I know it's on the table, but like if that were to happen before we get like, I'm just sitting there refreshing my timeline. Right. Just like the rest of mm-hmm. us do just like waiting to see when Rogers retires or walks away or he says he's coming back. But like the other caveat is like all of a sudden on the on-ramp, here comes Jordan Love and he's retired or uh, traded. That would be crazy. I want to bring up something that just came up in the Game on Wisconsin YouTube comments. This is from our guy, Dan. Shout out to Dan. Been a a P1 all season long. He says, as just a... Realistically, I think he retires. My fear is if he leaves, how many players follow him and leave? That's including Randall Cobb, David Bakhtiari. I think that's a good transition into what is this offseason going to look like for the pending free agents and for guys who have big contracts who might end up 
being cap casualties, need to be restructured, traded, whatever it might end up being. Because I think that's a good point that Dan brings up. How much else changes with the roster? How much else changes with the Packers philosophy? We know this is not a franchise, Matt, that is ever going to say, we're going to intentionally suck for a year or two, grab some great draft picks, boom, we're on the way up. They are never going to do that, and we know that. Mm-hmm. But do they say, hey, let's uh, you know, let's let's maybe only move back this year. Maybe let's maybe stockpile a couple extra picks and let's maybe make a couple moves with the salary cap to open things up for 2024 instead of for 2023. I think these are things worth asking. It is also worth asking, how much are you missing if those guys leave? Like David Bakhtiari is still really damn good and he's making so much money and would be so difficult to cut. I think he's going to be back in all likelihood, no matter what with, uh, with the Packers next year, Rogers or not, but Mercedes Lewis, that's a great example. If you have to bring him back for one year, he would probably like to play with Rogers. You know, Rogers wants him back. Everybody loves big dog. He's probably one of the most popular players the Packers have right now, but how much really changes if you replace him with some other younger blocking tight end who maybe isn't a fan favorite. What do you really lose if Randall Cobb isn't there? I, I think Cobb had a pretty good year when he was out there, but he's also an old slot receiver. There's not a huge market for those guys, and his use is minimalized at this point. Alan Lazard is a free agent this year. What do you think? You know, Does his situation change at all? And Rob Tunyon, guys who maybe aren't going to come back regardless, but I do think it's an interesting question. Which of those guys, the guys who are under contract, not under contract, whatever, do you even consider bringing back? Who do you consider letting walk? And how many of those are impacted by what Aaron Rodgers does? This kind of happened a couple of years ago, right? Like when Rodgers talked about, you know, the guys in the building, what they bring more than just like X's and O's. And that's why a guy like Alan Lazard or Randall Cobb are there or Mercedes Lewis and the issues he's had with other, you know, Corey Lindsay's of the world or his other buddies that have been you know gone. And I think that's, that's where you kind of get into the nitty gritty. Like, sure, like X's and O's wise, is Mercedes Lewis next to some other random tight end going to do the same thing? Yeah, for sure, like statistically. But like the energy and the the vibes that Mercedes Lewis probably, you know, I know that he brings to the field and the fans, people go mm-hmm. absolutely batshit crazy for him, home game or not. I can't imagine what he brings in the locker room. I really can't. I mean, he's got to be a great teammate, like just an OG guy that holds it down. He's got, you know, a couple young uh, tight ends around him. I'm sure he's just a great, great friend and great colleague. I think he just holds himself to a higher standard. Same with Randall Cobb. Same with Alan Lazard, who I think is probably gone based off of his postgame comments. I'm sure everyone's seen them at this point. I don't need to go into those. But, like, I, I just think it's it's just the – it's the people that are in the locker room that like make the organization better. It's not really the the stats or the fantasy football numbers that go up that like make this team. And we kind of lose sight of that. And Aaron Rodgers really called a lot of people out for that a couple of years ago. And I really respect him doing that. Um, but at some point, like there is that, like, you gotta, you gotta break a little bit. You can't bend all the way for him to get his guys, you know, whoever mm-hmm. those are, especially if they're truly in the sense of a NFL career archaic. I mean, between, you know, Randall Cobb, he's going to be 32, 33 years old. Mercedes Lewis, almost 40, uh, 39 years old at some point when the season starts. Like, it's just that there comes a point where it's like, okay, this is great and all. I love that you have these guys around, but like, they're one step away from being a consultant to this team or a, you know assistant specialist than they are almost being on the field at this point. So, um, it that's a great question from Dan or a great just thought to throw out there because I really do think that is a trickle down effect. Not only guys that are free agents like Cobb, Alan Lazard, Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, but mm-hmm. like you mentioned, Bakhtiari, any other older guys on the, the defensive side, Mason Crosby, like there's a ton of guys that there's a conversation that if he, once he leaves, what does this team look like after? It's a, it's a, like Dan mentions next time, it's an interesting domino to see where it'll fall. So um, yeah, I guess everyone's kind of waiting on Rodgers. And even before that, Iowa Joe had posted about um, if Brady's last game and he's playing right now as we're watching, terrible outing from him. If that's his yeah. last game, does, does Rodgers want to go out and be overshadowed by Brady retiring again? Like, that's that's a sticky situation, too. And I'm sure he's going to kind of sit and wait and buy this time because you never know who else is retiring. And I'm sure he wants that that lineman. You don't want to be overshadowed literally by the GOAT. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, I think we even talked about that earlier in the season. That I said I think he's going to – you know, he's got his Fox contract waiting. He might go to Miami. He might, I don't know, try to circumvent the salary cap somewhere else too, like he tried to do this past offseason. Like, there's a lot of things Tom Brady could do. He's going to retire. 
because his team around him is not very good right now. And his head coach is just terrible. Todd Bowles an awful coach. But I don't think Aaron Rodgers, knowing the ego he does have, I don't think he's going to want to share the headline part of the Hall of Fame ceremony in five years with Tom Brady. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I think Bach's going to be back. I think that uh, Cobb is going to be back. If Rodgers is back, I think Lewis is going to be back. Is that for the best? I don't know. Hard to say at this point, but I do think, and to Dan's point, that is how that is the first domino that's going to fall. Once Rodgers is in place or out of the picture, I think we will see the rest of the roster start to take shape. And with that, Matt, I do want to bring this up because I've got the list of pending free agents for the mm-hmm. Packers. This is according to Spotrack anyway. The list of free agents. We're going to put this up on the screen. We'll mention names if you're listening to this podcast version instead. But here are the 14 listed free agents. And I don't know if this is 100% accurate. I don't know if this is 100% uh, the full list, but you've got Adrian Amos, Randall Cobb, Dean Lowry, Mason Crosby, Alan Lazard, Big Bob Tunyon, Jaron Reed, Mercedes Lewis, Dallin Levitt, Jonathan Ford, Eric Wilson, Keyshawn Nixon, Justin Hollins, Yash Nyman. Of that group, Matt, which of those guys are easy, let them walks? Which one of those are you more tempted to bring back? Dude, they're, I mean, honestly, they're all kind of easy to let walk. They really, really are. Like, but I love Alan Lazard. I think what he does on the football field is super, super underrated. I love Robert Tunyon in the locker room. I think he's had bright spots. I think coming back from the injury this year, too, it's like that, you know, that that hangover year you will from the ACL. Amos, one of my bigger, one of my, I was a fan of him before he was a Packer because I love the way he played. But mm-hmm. you look at the safety the safety um, free agencies. We'll get that a little bit later. Like safety free agencies, like not bad this year. It's pretty solid. Dean Lowry. Thanks, but no thanks. Mason Crosby again, love what you've done for us, but I think you can't do half your job. We kind of need you to be able to kick it out of the end zone. That, mm-hmm. That's an important piece. 50 plus yarders. Jaron Reed, that veteran D tackle has been a, just a carousel continue to go over Mercedes Lewis. Like I said, uh, Levitt, Take him or leave him. Jonathan Ford, no big deal. Eric Wilson, they brought him in for an opportunity. Keyshawn Nixon, I probably oversighted him. That'd be nice to have him back. Um, Hollins didn't really do all as much. And Nijman, they probably have found that replacement with Zach Tom or anyone else. Um, that I possibly, why would you want to bring him back? But he's good, he's good stability. Mm-hmm. He might come back for a friendly deal. So the only one definitively I'd want back is Keyshawn Nixon. Outside of that, there's about three or four I can make an argument for, but the other math-wise, 9, 10, 11, I'm, I'm fine with letting them walk. And that might be crass, but it's just like, unless they're taking team-friendly deals, we're 14 million over. Like, we got to get below it. No, I'm, I'm with you. And I think a lot of these guys you can probably let go. Some are probably dependent on the, like Cobb, I think is dependent on the Rogers situation. He, I oh, God, don't yeah. think is going to get $9 million next year. If he does sign a new deal, probably going to be a one-year deal, probably a year-to-year thing like his favorite quarterback. I, I'm with you. I We've talked both of us so much about how we like, how much we like Adrian Amos. Uh, this was a down year for Adrian. And I think it's pretty obvious he's going to be on his way out. Same with Dean Lowry. Uh, Alan Lazard is going to get paid a ton because you know what position sucks in free agency this year? Wide receiver. So bad. Holy t- so he's gonna bad. Be one of the He might be one of the three best receiver free agents available, man. He's going to get paid <laughs> probably by Luke Getze and the Bears in Chicago. So, you know, best of luck to him. It's been fun having him. He, super underrated in terms of what he does blocking wise, but I think he's almost certainly gone. Jaron Reed probably going to walk. I would back, to be honest with you, maybe a one year, you know, quote unquote, prove it deal. Some of those guys at the bottom of the list, I would love to bring Nixon back, and I think the Packers probably will, given what he this season. But Hollins, at the end of the year, I mean, he was a street guy. They just needed some depth. Uh, Eric Wilson had a good year on special teams. Dallin Levitt is Bisacci's guy, so I wouldn't be shocked if they're back. But that doesn't, you know, for m- most intents and purposes, that doesn't move the needle a whole lot, although special teams being a little bit better, obviously that is at least a little bit encouraging. But uh, Lewis is, as I mentioned earlier, probably dependent on Rodgers. Um, Crosby, look, if he's willing to play for super cheap, I wouldn't be shocked if they brought him in. Inside 50, he's still really reliable. Sure. But to your point, they also intentionally brought in a dude to their practice squad who they tried to elevate for the sake of kickoffs at the end of the season. Like They clearly know Crosby's limitations. He's got the game's played record. Maybe he wants to play with Rodgers one more time. I know the two of them are tight, but I would not be surprised for him. It's probably either come back on the vet minimum or retire. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. 
with Mason Crosby. There are a couple other things I did want to make sure we got to here. Madden, you mentioned the safety draft as well um, and safety free agency. I think someone in the YouTube comments brought up the draft in terms of adding players this year. And look, I'm not going to pretend that I know exactly what the cap is going to look like when free agency starts, what exactly it'll look like when the draft starts. I know a few people on Twitter pretend they know exactly what's going on, even though they almost certainly don't, but I'm certainly not going to pretend that I know what's going on. But given what we expect the cap and the roster to look like going into this offseason, what are some of the things that stand out to you the most that are major needs in terms of adding in free agency or taking in the draft when you're thinking long-term? Before I get to that, one, we don't even know what the salary cap is this next year. Like, it's still True. undetermined, right? That's one thing, which I didn't even realize until I listened to Goody's um, press conference. Was that Friday? Number two, yeah, no one knows a damn thing about free agency. If you want any sort of insight, go check out Ken Angle's work. Ken Angle's is really, really solid. I think he's like a CPA by day, and that night just crunches the numbers on Packers Twitter for the free agency. That's the best outlet I've ever found. Ken's a really, really smart guy. I've enjoyed my conversations with him over the years. Where they go as far as what they need to do, I, I honestly, I think they have to prioritize just re-signing a couple guys. Like, they got to get Gary under a contract. We talked about this on our Saturday episode for Packaday, just him coming off the injury. Like, does that help the Packers? Does that, you know, help the Packers in them getting a cheaper contract? Does Rayshon Gary, you know, ultimately like, ah, shit, just a bad timing. He's got to resign. Doesn't want to go into the season off that injury. I think that's an interesting concept, but like bring back, you know, extend these guys that you'd normally do, you know, work on the off season like they do behind closed doors, not make it a big thing come the season, just like they do with Elton this year. They got him locked up before mm-hmm. they needed to. That's I think stick to that habit. I like that habit. I think it gives it's less distractions. And I think the Packers are just cognizant of that. Outside of that, I think the safety spot is really, really interesting because Darno Savage, that fifth-year option is picked up. Okay, he came on strong at the end of the year for being benched. That's great, but I think you need another guy in the back end with him. Um, Amos was really, really solid for a while. Had a down year this year, as we as we saw. Maybe another. I, just a, I don't know. I don't know if I don't think Rudy Ford could be an answer as much as I loved him, and he was a bright spot towards the end of the year, who I omitted, but. Maybe if if Rodgers does come back, go get him a piece on offense, please, for God's sakes. Like, you don't really know. Maybe take some of that Aaron Jones money, restructure that, give it to some. I don't know what they do. I don't know what other pieces, but I think really, like, offensive piece would be great, depending on what happens with the tight end room, because I think that tight end room is nasty. I think DeGuar is the only one under contract right now, based Mm -hmm. off of everything I just look into. Um, Not really sure what the running back class will look like go get at least an offensive weapon for him in free agency please that would be great i know they normally don't do that um and then just go get another pass rusher like i don't understand why prioritizing a pass rusher in free agency is like that difficult we're not asking for a zadarius smith or preston smith but like have a middle ground between a fifth round draft pick between Bari or signing a guy off the street like justin hollins or getting a guy like jalen smith last year just like weird stuff they do where they try to like shoehorn guys in like can we just not go get a guy that can get after the passer they have one of the worst pass rush rates this year like go get a guy that can get after him. i would much rather take a pass rusher over going prioritizing a safety like that just makes more sense it makes the defensive backfield a little bit better you really have good dbs um and i know like the safety room is pretty or the safety uh free agency is pretty solid like if i go to even here and like look i was i think jesse bates is one i don't think they're gonna get jesse bates that uh-huh. he's asking a, a ton of money but even guys like you know Von Bell's not bad. Jordan Poyer, I know he's getting a little bit older. Jonathan Abram, they brought in. Eric Rowe, like, there's names out there that I think are are formidable that they could go get. And they've kicked the tires on guys in the past. But I, I, I don't know. I think they got to go spend a little bit because they really didn't do anything last year in free agency. I don't know how they get there because they do have a ton of high-end contracts. They're going to have to renegotiate. I think they will because players want to be here. But it, it's still a tricky spot for them to be in. I think there are two positions that you mentioned that I believe are going to be draft and add through free agency. I think safety and however, I think you need to get two of each in the off season this year. However you end up getting them, I don't know, but you have to be able to get them one or another because you need future depth and you need guys who can contribute right now as well. So to me, you know, Brian Branch out of Alabama in your first round, boom, done. 
there you go. There's your safety, and then whoever you want to take in uh, in free agency as well. Draft wise for a pass rusher, it doesn't matter to me. Go find someone who can rush off the edge. And until Gary gets back at some point next year, Preston Smith followed by Kingsley and Igbari, followed by insert veteran rotational guy and draft pick here. Boom, that'll tide you over at least until Gary gets back. If you have to make something happen salary cap wise to fit everybody in, you know, you add void years to the end of Rogers contract. You do something with Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones. However, you have to make room, go out and do it, figure it out. I think those are positions you have to double down on one veteran, one rookie, because you need to plan for the future, but you also need guys who can contribute now. And you're right. I mean, you've got cornerbacks who you think can play. You've got Jair Alexander, who we know is a stud. We know Rasul Douglas can be really good. Hopefully Stokes come back, comes back and has a better 23 than he did 22. Those are the positions that I think are most important. Wide receiver-wise, in terms of a weapon, I agree with you, Matt. Someone else needs to be thrown into the mix. The wide receiver free agent class is horrific. It is really, really bad. Now, maybe someone gets cut, and that could possibly change a draft pick. I know uh, Isaac Grieg, friend of Game on Wisconsin, obviously, among other people, have said, hey, look at Zay Flowers, Boston College. I've seen Zay Flowers play times. That is the exact kind of player that the Packers need. Speed, can play in the slot, can do a couple different things out in the pattern. That's the kind of guy the Packers need. They've got the big play threats. They've got guys who, in theory, can make plays short, intermediate, deep. You need a yak guy. You need a guy who can go get yards after the catch. doesn't have to be a true slot, but someone who's just Shifty has some speed. Zay Flowers, veteran, I don't really care, but you have to get somebody who can make moves, which makes the freaking signing of Sammy Watkins in the offseason dumber and dumber and dumber every single <laughs> minute in retrospect. But that is in the past. We can move on. Um, God, he, it, what a stupid move. Uh, people really, people with big followings on Twitter were like, you idiot, this is a great move morons absolute idiots all right beside the point because i'm gonna get mad about something that happened five months ago at this point <laughs> one last thing i did want to bring up matt because we're talking about player transactions and adding players who you're going to move on from if you're the packers the last thing we got to bring up is the coaching staff because i think a lot of people are frustrated with matt lafleur i know i am to a degree i, I like matt lafleur a lot but i was frustrated a lot this year frustrated with the offense certainly frustrated to maybe all the way pissed off about the defense and joe barry do you expect any changes to the coaching staff this year? Knowing already two things are true on the offensive side of the ball, Matt LaFleur has admitted that he's thought about bringing Nathaniel Hackett back into the fold. Maybe not seriously, maybe not intently, but has mentioned thinking about that. And also the fact that, oh, Matt LaFleur's brother is now available, who he once tried to hire a few years ago before Kyle Shanahan blocked it. Well, he's now available because he was fired by the Jets. So, with all that in mind, do you think changes are eventually going to come to the staff? Well, no, Matt LaFleur said that he doesn't expect any changes, so we're, we're good. We're just going to move on from that. No, I, I definitely do. I think um, more and more I watch the NFL and there's games and you know teams in the playoffs and even just like teams that aren't even relatively all that good. Like, I think the wrinkles in the offense are something the Packers lack. I just don't see them having that. I don't know where that needs to come from. That might not even be a coaching staff change. But they need to get more innovative. If they don't have the current guys that can do that, um, they need to move on from them. I mean, Tom Clements, I don't know how much innovation he's bringing. He was more of that ally, that bridge, that mediator. Mm -hmm. I felt like at some point that when he was brought in, I don't know what he's bringing in that quarterback room. Adam Stenovich, not a huge, you know, I wouldn't say, from what I know, he's done well in the run game from what I've been told. Um, from Aaron Rodgers, who's mentioned it, Matt LaFleur, a couple other people that are smarter than me who've talked about it. Steno has been really, really solid with that, what he's brought there. You know, I don't see a ton of really, really, you know, big offensive brains in that room. And part of that is because some of them have been poached, right? But are they reloading some of this talent that they have in that um, offensive room? Defensively, I like some of the defensive coaches they have. Like, we all, everyone loves Jerry, Jerry Gray, but he's also has a really, really good core guys around him. Joe Barry, obviously, is the main one. We're just at some point, like you, you have all the pieces. We talked about this last week in at nauseum, right? Like, why is he not getting these players into the right spots? Um, Jerry Montgomery, I think is a guy, a defensive line run game coordinator. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's been in that role all that long. Um, I think he was promoted from within. Yeah. Last March actually, but you know, this is, his, this is his first year as the D line coach. 
Um, inherited not that great of a situation. I think with the pieces he had, they really, really came on strong with some of the young guys. But I do just do think they need to get some younger, innovative guys in there. Maybe not. Maybe I'm being, you know, you know, I'm 32 years old. Maybe I'm seeing, being biased to some guys that aren't you know, around my same age. Like, I, I don't know. We'll just say for, for Clements, Tom Clements, for an example. But, like, get some guys in there. If it is Michael Floor, great. If it's Hackett, awesome. We've had these conversations before, though, I feel, with, like, old coaches that have been back. Packers seem not to really do that all that often. I want to say, I mean, Clements was one they did it with, mm-hmm. but they really don't go back to the well all that much. So just bring in someone new. I don't know where it needs to be. Offense would be my number one. Get another guy for a wrinkle. I don't think you have to pay that much for a guy like that because you see these guys pop out of nowhere. Ben Johnson's one I can think of right now for the Lions. Just kind of comes out of the out of the woodwork, but – if, if Joe's not getting it done on the defensive side, there needs to be a change there. And maybe it's a, a you know a promotion with him with Jerry Gray, but ultimately something's got to drastically happen, I think, on that defensive side, whether it's the D.C. or just some contributing dudes. Yeah, I to, to keep it short, because I know we're a little short on time here, I'm in agreement with you across the board. I do think something is going to change. I would be 1 million percent shocked if we go into – next season with the exact same coaching staff and to a degree I'd be fairly disappointed like how do you look at your offense and how grisly awful they were in the red zone this year and say now we can run it back we can do this exact same thing with the exact same play callers and designers and game planners I I just don't think you can do that offensively I would not be shocked if they bring back the gold zone they bring back Nathaniel Hackett have him in a comfortable spot maybe that Maybe that helps Aaron Rodgers out. I don't know. I, I don't know the exact relationship or the exact, you know, the way that those two gel. Maybe that helps the offensive situation more than we would possibly give it credit for. Maybe it's Mike LaFleur who gets brought in, and I know people will just cry nepotism, and yeah, I mean, let's be fair, it is nepotism. But by the same token, maybe it ends up working out. Maybe that's the thing they need to do to unlock what this offensive potential could be. Defensively, I don't know. Said we don't expect to move on from Joe Barry. I think that was very intentional. I don't know if expect was the word or he didn't anticipate making any changes. However, he phrased it. I think it was very intentional that he didn't stay. Yes, for sure. 100% Joe Barry is our defensive coordinator going forward. I think he left himself just a little bit of an out there with his phrasing a few days ago when he made that commentary. I just think something is going to happen because I don't know how you can look at the talent you do have, even though it's, it did not perform very well this year, how you can look at that group, how you can look at the guys you have offensively, your scheme, which has taken the NFL by storm and is the, the predominant scheme for most of the best teams in the NFL right now, most of the best offenses anyway, and say, yeah, let's just run it back and do the exact same thing. I don't think it can possibly happen. One of Hackett or Mike LaFleur, a.k.a. M- AKA, pardon me, M-I-L-F. I think people might know that phrase from uh, from somewhere other than Mike LaFleur. Anyway, I think one of them is going to be in the fold next season, and I think there's going to be something changing defensively, whether it is Montgomery, sorry to our guy Iowa Joe, whether it's Jerry Gray, whether it's Joe Barry himself. Hey, why, why have a guy who runs something similar to what Vic Fangio runs when you could just go out and get get Vic Fangio. I just just a thought out there. Jim Leonard, uh me, you, anyone, anyone else to go coordinate <laughs> that defense. It's going to be a uh it's going to be a rough off season. I think there's no doubt about that. It's one thing to have a disappointing end in the playoffs. It's another thing to have a disappointing season in general. And unfortunately, we are on the brink of what could be the most dramatic Packers offseason yet. As always, we're going to have full coverage for it day by day through free agency, through the draft, over at Game On Wisconsin, GameOnWI.com. You can follow Game On Wisconsin as well across your social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, obviously on YouTube as well. You can find the two of us on social media too. Matt's on Twitter at Matt underscore F-R-A underscore. And you know the drill. I'm at Brendan DZW as well. Matt, that does it for season number two of The Final Dump, the first live video season of the show as well. Uh, It's been a blast. Obviously, want to thank everyone who has tuned in week by week, whether they're listening live, podcast, watching the show on YouTube or Facebook days after. Uh, And thanks to you as well, because this has been a blast to do every single week. And uh, already counting down the days till we get back in the studio and get to do this again. Yeah, it's great. Second season, elevated, doing the video side. I think it was fantastic. You bring in all the the prep, all the hosting, all the production on the back end. I really, really appreciate it, man. And just just having someone else to riff with, right? I got my buddies that I normally get into Mm -hmm. on Twitter a little bit. 
but you live in a different ecosystem. You're a Chicago boy down in Kansas following basketball, but then we we sink a little bit. We got a little bit different ideas. It's nice to get different perspectives than I normally come across, but no, it was a great season. I appreciate everyone listening, supporting, no matter how you did it. We really, really appreciate it from Brendan and I. Yeah, it has been a lot of fun. So thank you, Matt. Thank you, you guys, for listening, for watching every single game. Game on Wisconsin is going to have full coverage of this offseason. We can't wait to join you again come next year. Hopefully, a little bit more of a positive Green Bay Packers season come 2023. But until next time, and there will indeed be a next time, for my partner, Matt Fralick, I am Brendan Dorzinski, and this has been the season finale edition for season number two of The Final Dump. As always, brought to you by Game on Wisconsin. Well, Wayne, I think this is one that Vince Lombardi and George Hallis would be proud of. You could have given me the touchdown, then it's hard to overturn, you know what I mean? I understand That's that. That's a good effort, Richard, though, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a pretty good effort.